are excited that everybody is here. It's a lot of fun on uh, the Sundays where we do the uh, baby and parent dedication because there's tons of folks that I don't know. And it's really exciting to have you all be a part of our church family today. In the name of church family stuff, we are a family, so we have to do some family updates. So first of all, I want to thank you all for continuing to pray for my dad. Um, I let it be known via Facebook. Uh, He had blood clots in his lungs. He went to the hospital. He's been in there for a week and a half. The plan wasn't to send him home until tomorrow, uh, but... On Saturday, he had a new doctor, and the doctor said, well, um, this is going to take time, and you can do this at home, so go home. And that was like a big shock for all of us. We were expecting him to be a few days more. So he's been sent home, so thank you for praying, and I ask that you can continue to pray for my dad. Uh, We just want him back and healthy, 100%. Uh, But thank you again for praying for him. Uh, Also, family notes, uh, Russell is not one to draw attention to himself but you clearly notice the arm and the sling. Um, He decided that he still had some Olympic fever, and he tried to go for like the biggest, no, he didn't. He just fell while he was skiing, and his shoulder took the full weight of his fall. So be praying for him. He's got a a visit to a doctor this week to say, how bad did you hurt that shoulder? And we are praying for no surgery. So uh, if you could join us in prayer for our friend and our pastor so that he isn't uh, under the knife soon. Uh, last bit of family news. If I could see this picture above me, this is Josie Scout Niskavitz. So John and Lauren had their baby, little Miss Josie, and she came to us last Tuesday. So Um, Now when Lauren does come back to play, the guitar will be closer to her body. uh, But we celebrate with them, and so we just want to update you all and say thank you for praying for them. Um, It was good. It was good seeing Josie, and and we're we're glad she's here. Um, I was actually just, I was just talking about this with John last week when we went to the hospital, and we were relating how interesting it is when you go to a hospital and you go in as a couple and there is a baby inside the mom and then the mom has the baby and you're like, wow, we're now in charge of this child. So I would like to introduce you to two babies at one time. Uh, This is Megan and I. I promise that's me, and and we are in Flagstaff. This is our our baby photos before Emmeline came, and we went to the hospital as these two young kids, and we had no idea what we were doing. I mean, we thought we did. I would have told you that I did. I was wrong, and we were in the hospital, and we've had Emmeline. There's a few photos of Emmy that we'll put up, and, and when she came, we were, first of all, undone. And she was adorable, and she was wonderful, and she was ours. And then reality started setting in that I was going to walk out of that hospital with a child, and I had to care for that child. There was one plan. The plan, keep the child alive. (laughs) That is the big goal when you take the child home. And so we left with Emmy. And we got home. Now, when they send you off from the hospital, they don't give you a manual. 
They don't give you like step-by-step instructions. They don't check and make sure you're really fit and prepared to be a parent. They make sure that your car seat is in the car, it's buckled down, and that you have something to get the child home. If that's good, high five, you're on your way. And Megan and I are like, what's wrong with these people? Don't they know us? We know us. And so we got home with our new little girl. We went into the bedroom, and and she needed a diaper change. And so we go to change her diaper, and we change it, and Emmy starts crying. And then crying turns to screaming, and then screaming turns into more screaming. And now, we're only home for like 20 minutes, and already we think we've broken her. And we don't know what we're doing, and she and I are freaking out, and we're like trying to calm her, and it's that new parent syndrome. What do we do? We've had the baby. Now we're here. What is next? Do you ever feel that way in regards to your faith? See, last week was Easter, and we all came and celebrated, and we had the big party. Jesus rose from the dead. We are so glad he rose from the dead. Woohoo! Okay, now what? What happens after Jesus has risen from the dead? What do we do now? What did he want us to do, and where are we supposed to go from here? Today, we're actually going to look at the book of Acts, in this transition between when Jesus rose from the dead and then kind of left it in the hands of the disciples. And we're going to look at this point in history and say, okay, how did they feel? How did God answer their question of where do we go from here? How do they go about accomplishing the plan that God gave them? And then as we look at it and we look at the now what, that they experienced, we'll actually see maybe that's going to answer some of our questions in regards to our faith. Last week was Easter, so after Easter, now what? Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you that we have this chance to get into Scripture, to dig into what you've got to us. Lord, communicate through me. Spirit, be present. Let us see you for who you are. Let us enjoy you. You are good. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so we are going to be in Acts. If you have come here without a Bible, but you want to follow along, just slip your hand up and Sarah will grab you a Bible. Uh, We are going to be at the beginning of Acts. Now, let me catch you up where we are. Uh, Jesus was just crucified. He was dead. He was buried. And then after he was buried, he rose from the dead. After he rose from the dead, He went traipsing about, talking to people in his risen form. Over 500 people actually saw the risen Jesus. This is what Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15. He was seen, and he interacted with people, and they were so excited. Jesus was dead, and now he's back. It's finally happening. His followers were thinking, this is great. This is great. He's returned. He is going to bring the kingdom. This is amazing. And so they gather to Jesus. In verse 6, they even say as much to him. When they came together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Is this it? We're excited. We're amped. We're pumped. 
You've come back from the dead. This is it. We're all ready. And Jesus said, you're right. Today's the day. I'm going to just take over Jerusalem. I'm going to drop an elbow, and people are going to worship me. This is what's happening. That is not what he said. In fact, he said something quite the opposite. He said, guys, I know what you thought was the plan. That's not the plan. Okay? Here's the plan. The plan is for his people through the power of the person. The person gives his people the power for the plan. There's a lot of P's in here, so I need your help in saying them. So say it with me. The plan for his people, this is very quiet. I am not hearing anything. We have it above. This is good. The plan is for his people through the power of the person. The person gives his people the power for the plan. Okay, there's lots of P's. We'll come back to them. But this is essentially what Jesus said. And he confused them. So let's read what he actually said. Jump into verse 7. He said to them, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. He says this amazing phrase, and they're saying, okay, we just said, are you coming to start your kingdom? You've kindly said no, and then you've told us that you're going to give us power in a few days for the whole world, and before they have a chance to cry out, but Jesus, wait, before they have any of that, he then just goes up on a cloud and leaves them. He leaves them. Can you feel their confusion? Can you feel their disappointment? Which was worse? Having the king that you worship, the one that you thought was the Messiah, die and not return Israel to their power, or having him raised from the dead, thinking it's happening, and then him leaving again without doing the thing that you thought that he was going to do? I mean, this is like a double gut punch. They're staring up into the sky and saying, well, now what? Now what? What do we do from here? The funny thing is, Jesus actually did answer their question before he left. He said, again, they said, in essence, has the time come for you to restore things? Has the time come for you to restore things? And he said, yes, it's just not like you thought. The plan for his people is through the power of his person, uh, the power of the person. The person gives his people the power for the plan. Now, again, peas, it's a mouthful. Go with me. Jump to chapter 2. We're going to skip a few things. Back in chapter 115, it said there were about 120 people gathered together praying in the upper room. So, In verse 2, or chapter 2, verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as fire appeared to them 
and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Jesus had said, wait in Jerusalem. Wait for the promise of the Father. The promise of the Father was a person. And that person was the Holy Spirit. He said, wait. And then when they waited, while they prayed, there came an answer. Now, here's some humor for you. The word spirit in Greek is also the same word for wind. So Jesus was doing a lot of funny wordplay back in John chapter 3. Nicodemus comes to him and says, you know, what do do I have to do to be saved? What's going on here? Who are you? And Jesus tells him, well, the wind comes and goes as it pleases. And so does the spirit, the people who are in the spirit. So again, comedically, the spirit arrives on the scene. He doesn't ring a bell. He doesn't say what's up. He actually just comes in with a hurricane-like force into a room. Everybody is very clear the spirit is here. He has announced his arrival. The spirit isn't going to come like a secretive, hidden, clandestine sort of thing where he kind of sneaks up from around the corner and says, hi, I'm the spirit. Instead, he arrives with a force letting everyone know I am the person who is coming with power and I will be noticed. I will be seen. Not with your eyes, but I'll be seen. Now, upon his arrival, he gives these gifts of fire tongues. Lots of people spend lots of time trying to describe what happened here. I don't think that's a safe thing to do. We'll just say, fire tongues appeared, and they came down on the people. I don't know how that went. They don't have pictures in the Bible. So we'll just take it for what it said. So these fire tongues appear. The Spirit descends upon these people, and then these people, many of them, came from smaller villages. They were the working class. They didn't have skills. They didn't learn tons of languages. And when the Spirit descends on them, they start speaking in tongues, understandable languages to other people. Now, here is the funny thing. When the Spirit descended and He came upon them and they started speaking these other languages, they didn't then start to argue with each other or discuss their languages. There was no, oh, hey, that sounds like Italian. Cool. Oh, we got French over here. We like this. There was no argument about what language was the power language. Nobody started infighting or dividing about their cool new gifts. They didn't stay in the room because the person gave the power to the people for the plan. They went out of the upper room. They went out into the streets. They went out speaking languages that people who were from all over, Jews who had come in from all these different countries for the celebration of Pentecost. It happens 50 days after the Passover. So 50 days, this big celebration, it's a harvest festival, and they are coming, and all of these people hear languages 
that are their own from people who should not really be speaking it. When the Spirit came and gave them power, He gave them gifts to go and do His plan. And now all these people are saying, what is going on? What is happening? I don't get this. Peter stands up in the midst of all of them, and he delivers this killer sermon. He delivers a sermon, and at the end of it, 3,000 people commit their lives to Jesus. They become followers of the way. Here's his big, uh, his dagger verse, his line, the one that really gets him. You turn to chapter 2, verse 36. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him, Jesus, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus who was crucified. Jesus is Lord. That's, that's master. That's the top dog, the one in charge, the ultimate alpha. Jesus is Lord. He is over all. But he's also Savior, the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, the one sent and promised to bring together all people and make all things new. This is Jesus, the one that you were looking for, the one that you need. He has come. The Spirit came to his people to give them power to fulfill his plan. Remember, let's go back to chapter 1, verse 8. What was the plan? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. They went out and they accomplished his plan. Now, allow me an aside. Often we look at our Bible like it's our plan book. It's our manual. Okay, so it's got the information we need, and our goal is to open our heads, pour in information from the Bible, close it up, and now we are all good. The more we know about it, the better we are going to be to be moral, to do the right thing. If I read my Bible all the time, then that means I'm not going to sin anymore. I'm not going to fall prey to the things that the Bible says don't do just because I know the facts. And you know what the funny thing is? People who are outside the church, they think that too. Well, if you call yourself a Christian or you read this a lot, then that means you need to be perfect. That means you should have the tools to do it. Now, let's look at the disciples. They sat under Jesus' teaching for over three years. They walked alongside the man they are now calling Lord and Savior and God. And did Jesus say, y'all good, you've got enough, you can now take off on this plan and go be me to other people? No, 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 no. Jesus knew that they were not ready. Jesus knew that they on their own strength couldn't do it, so he gave them the person of the Holy Spirit to fill them and enable them to take off and do his plan. The plan for his people is through the power of the person. The person gives his people the power for the plan. Knowing the Bible wasn't enough 
knowing the teachings wasn't enough for the disciples and it's not enough for us. We need the Holy Spirit. Okay, so when we left the hospital with Emmeline, again, we felt unprepared. And we got home and we were highly unprepared. And in the moment of screaming, Megan says, and I, I, we tell this to all parents, there is a pitch that your child is able to hit that unlocks the crazy inside you. And on that first, first night, within 20 minutes, we, the inexperienced parents, it unlocked it. And we just said, what do we do? And in our moment of, of freaking out, in walks Diane. Now, Diane is Megan's mom. Diane came to help us around the birth of our first child. And Diane came as the wise parent, and she said, let me take her. I'll calm her down, because we'd already changed the diaper and everything. And she said, why don't I hold her, and you all get some sleep. You haven't had much of that yet. Why don't you get some sleep, and then when she needs to be fed, I'll bring her in. And we said, oh, okay, that sounds, that sounds fine. And so Diane quietly took her and sat in my awesome lazy boy and rocked her to sleep. And Megan and I got some sleep. Over that first night and then the next two weeks, Diane was there for us. She encouraged us. She showed us better ways to care for Emmeline because we didn't know. And she also cooked a bunch of meals for us, which was more clutch than I ever could have realized, having her there to support us in food reasons. And the thing is, we thought we knew what to do, and in the moment of now what, God gave us Diane to give us the power to carry out the plan of keeping Emmeline alive and raising her well. When Jesus left, he didn't just give the disciples a high five and say, you're good, I'm out. Instead, he gave them power through the person of the Holy Spirit and said, you can now carry forward and accomplish this plan, not just here, but the world over. Because you have the Holy Spirit, this is possible. If you are a person who has come to faith in Jesus Christ, that means you have repented of your sins and you have declared, like Peter called them to, that Jesus is Lord, he's the master of your life, he's the one you submit to, and he's Savior. He's the one who meets you, forgives you of your sins, and calls you into his family. If you have made that confession of faith, then you have the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit is in you that filled these disciples to be able to accomplish God's plan. The Spirit is in you. So please don't feel that jumping into God's word is a matter of memorizing or information retention. Getting into God's word is a way to know the Holy Spirit. Now I'm jumping ahead of myself. How do we go about this plan? If God has given us the person of the Holy Spirit to give us power, us, the people, to carry out his plan, what should we do? So with these four P's, I have four re's. 
Now, I know Pastor Russell had three re-words last week in his sermon. I thought they were so good. Let's just run some of them back. So, we have to start. The first one. Okay, so we are the people. So what do we do as the people of God? Well, we need to respond. We need to respond. If you are called by him into a relationship, what do you do? Step to his plan. Just like the disciples who had these cool new spirit tongue speaking abilities, they didn't just stay in the room. They went outside of the room and took to what God had called them to. If you are a believer, let me encourage you, respond every day of your life towards this plan that he has given you power to do. Don't just come and gather on a Sunday and call it good. God has given you way too much power just to come and sing a few songs. He's got a plan for you out there. Let's respond to that plan. The second P, the person. The person. Well, what do we do? We need to relate to that person. The Holy Spirit can be known through reading God's Word. So if you were thinking I was dogging on God's Word earlier, please dismiss that thought. I love God's Word, and this is one of the things that God has given us to know Him to know him. So be in it. Read his word. Let me encourage you. Reading a verse a day is awesome, and that's really good. But that's going to be a lot of days. Read his word and get in here to know him. And the other way we get to relate to him, pray. Pray. We as leadership have come before you all and said, we are going to pursue 10,000 prayer requests as a church. Okay, a quarter of the year is done, and we are about at a quarter of our goal. But to get there, we're going to need everybody to engage in it. Because here's the hidden thing. Our goal is to get in God's presence. Our goal is to know God. And so, pray. Let me encourage you, be in prayer. Change your habits, change your schedule so that you can be in God's word more and relate to him through prayer. The third P, power. What's our response? To reflect. To reflect. God has given us the power to reflect to this broken world that he is in the business of making all things new. We want to invite busy people to experience the peace of life with Jesus Christ. So how do we do that? We reflect him to the outside world. We show others, the all of creation, what it looks like when he makes people new. Folks are looking at you. And they're saying, what does this Christian thing look like? You don't go out and say, I am awesome. It looks like this. You go out, you reflect what you know of God, you reflect what God is doing to others, and you say, this is what he looks like. This is what he looks like. And so for the last P, the last R-E word, what are we to go and do? We go out to restore. We go out to restore. That's the plan. 
If God is in the business of making all things new, we go out in his power to restore. If we reflect him to the outside world, we go to that world in word and deed. And we tell them, Jesus is good. Jesus is my savior. Jesus is the reason I am only slightly better than incredibly screwed up. This is about him. And this is not about achievement. This is not about earning the Holy Spirit. This gift is given to us so that we can accomplish his plan, so that we can be his witnesses nearby where we live, where we work, where we play, and to the world at large where he is sending us. The plan for his people is through the power of the person. The person gives his people the power for his plan. If Jesus gave us his plan, and then he filled us with his Holy Spirit to carry it out, will you join in the plan? Will you respond and join in the plan? Or are you content leaving the screaming baby crying on the bed? What's Jesus calling you to? We're going to transition to a time of response because at some point the Spirit has moved. I trust that He is moving in you and in this room. And different people need to respond in different ways. And so we're going to give some space for that. If the band can come up, they will play quietly in the background. But this is our moment. Sometimes as we say, this is our time to go do some business with God. What is he asking you to do? Do you need to respond to his call? Do you need to lean in and relate to him? Is the Spirit speaking to you about ways and places that you need to reflect him? Monday through Saturday, not just on that Sunday morning? Are there people he's putting in your head that he says, I want you to be praying for them. I want you to be praying for them. I want you to reach out. Or is God showing you lots of places he's given you to restore, to be his presence, filled with the Spirit, to be about his plan? In a moment, we'll have a, a quiet time of prayer. Why don't we just take that time now? Lord, we are going to be silent before you for the next minute. Please move in this space and let us hear you. thank you for your presence. We thank you that you have given us the power through your spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, to go and do your work. Lord, open our eyes to where you are calling us. Open our eyes to the things that you are allowing us to be a part of. Let us see your hand in it. Spirit, for those who do not know you as Lord, move mightily. Let them see that you're good, that you are you, as God, 
are Lord, you are master, and that you are Savior. Jesus, we need you. Please be present. In your name we pray, amen.